Hi, my name is Tracy G and I'm an inner work coach, NLP trainer and podcaster extraordinaire. Passionate about equality and a world that is more diverse and inclusive, giving each and every one of us the opportunity to be the best version of ourselves. As a biracial woman, I've experienced my fair share of discrimination in the past and come out on top. We all know that discrimination and bias still exists in the world today, and it's not always easy to know what to do about it. This podcast, All One Inclusive, is about celebrating all diversity and being proud of all that you are. I chat with inspiring guests and my friends as we share stories from news sources and listeners from all over the world who have experienced some form of discrimination firsthand. The aim is for us to be able to discuss this issue more openly so it becomes better understood by all and provide tips about what you can do to make a difference. The world may have a lot of catching up to do, but if we can imagine a more equal world, we can create change step by step, ripple by ripple. Okay, what would you do? I'm going to, I'm terrible with the jingles. We need a terrible, jingle. terrible jingles, but this is today's. What would you do? Right, it's terrible. Yeah. Never mind. I don't care. All right, so this is the scenario. You hear a white co-worker say they aren't privileged because they grew up poor. Before you answer, it could be a friend, because we just talked a lot about privilege. Very apt there. Yeah. A white privilege. I talked about my own privilege and being dif- being different. So it could be a conversation with friends. And, you know, some of your friends are white. And what if one says, you know, I grew up poor. I'm not privileged. Like, what, how would you respond to that? But from hearing that, I'd probably think to myself, well, their, their sense or their interpretation of the word of being privileged is through money, is through wealth. And that's what their their blinkers are just on that is is having rights according to wealth but having rights is really according to so many other factors including race and so i would i i actually wouldn't open up that conversation with my with if it was a friend or a co-worker i actually wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't go i wouldn't respond with with it opening up a can of worms I may be inclined to put in there to comment, you know, privilege isn't just about wealth. And then to see what their response would be. And then navigate that conversation from there. But it would give me an idea, that particular comment would give me an idea um, or even a judgment around what this person's perspective is. Do you know what? I feel like I need to get on entitlement. Entitlement. That's so cool. You just made me think, I don't really interact on Twitter very much, but I really like that, what you just said, as I'm going to use that. I digress. I'm going to use that. We'll pipe that. I'm going to use that. Privilege isn't just about wealth. I'm going to use that in a question. Thank you for that. But anyway, you're right. It isn't. And so I, I get the feeling. If I'm at work, if I was in my old workplace and um, I heard somebody say that, honestly, I'd be the same. I would not, I'd be like, oh, this is a can of worms. <laughs> just, 
this is going to take up too much of my time. I am not going to go there right now. I would be the same. Yeah. If I was with friends, I would now, and, and there's a difference between me now and me in my 20s and me in my teens. Me now would say something. Me now would say something. This is from the lean in. So this is the stats. And yes, it's in America, but we can totally translate this to Australia, Britain, Canada, different countries. Numbers yeah, might be slightly different. What's the origin of, of the scenario? So it's saying that this kind of thinking is fairly common. 63% of white Americans say they don't benefit much or at all from being white. Yeah. They believe that's what they say and that's what they believe. And it says when white people don't accept that there are benefits to being white, they cast doubt on the idea that racial inequality exists at all. Yeah, because unless you've been exposed to it, you don't necessarily know. So it's like if you're if you're someone of a white background and you're in, dis, in discussions about white privilege, it's kind of like a, you don't. It's a difficult one because for them, I would imagine, because. Um, because why with somebody of, of somebody of somebody being of a white background wouldn't have any exposure to much racism and so for, for them to comment on um on even privilege because they have they don't know what the other side is like it's really difficult and I suppose I'm going to bring it up the, the Harry and Meghan scenario again this is what Harry is, I, I, as an example, I can give Harry. So Harry's been born a prince. It's it's clear it's white privilege. He's a royal privilege. And he's been exposed to only that. And then in his 30s, he then enters into a relationship and chooses a life partner. So this isn't just a friend, but his life is now with somebody of colour. Mm-hmm. And so now he's getting first-hand knowledge of responses of discrimination, of bigotry, of unfairness, of, of being treated unjustly. And it's the first time he's been exposed to it. So now he's able to comment on it because well, he's had experience. So in that sense, that white the white person who's saying, oh, I don't feel I don't feel privileged because I don't have enough money, or I don't feel I've never feel felt um, privileged, or I've never felt an advantage because I'm white, they've never they may have not been exposed to being being a person of colour. I get that. I get that. But this is what I said. I said for some people need to feel it, touch it, experience it in order to understand it. But what just what just pops into my head is my mother's, my mum's scenario. My mum is white and my mum obviously decided to have a black partner, right? And she was disowned by her father. And he, And the thing is, her father said to her, and this is just, if I remember correctly, when, from what my mum has told me, that your life is going to be very difficult. I don't that's want what you. That's what your granddad said to you. Yeah, I don't want you to go into this relationship. Your life is going to be hard. And I don't approve. In, and this is the 1970s in the UK. This is 1970. Yeah, in the in the and actually in in Northern Ireland, and there's actually not. Very few black people or people of any colour other than white in Northern Ireland. I mean, especially then. Now, definitely more for sure. But then, so the question is, well, how did he know that it was going to be difficult if those he didn't know he didn't have any friends of colour or different nationalities other than him being Irish and other people being maybe English? How did he know? And this is what I mean when you talk to the fact that 
because you're privileged, you don't understand the differences, the way people are treated. How did you know? And, and what I'm suggesting is, and this is pure speculation, is the media things you see on TV, how people of colour are talked about, how... How, how the press uh, uh, paint a picture. How they, not just the press, but movies. Yes. You know, black people then are usually either slaves or criminals. Yeah, and it comes down to that unconscious bias. Exactly. So, yeah. so yeah. to say that you can't know well, the differences in how they're treated because you haven't met someone, you don't have someone close to you in your life. I've struggled to believe that for that reason, because you you have to be living without ever watching TV, films, or reading news to see what goes on and then form an opinion that either this group of people are bad and they only have these capabilities or whatever. You know, they're only criminals or they're not smart or whatever. Yeah, I think, see, I'm, I'm hearing you there, Tracy. Yes, it's outrage, unconscious bias. When you are in that situation, um, so that um, so there's a statistic around um, you know, a large percentage of of the US um, who were in the survey basically um, said that they, even though they were of of white origin, they didn't see that that had been that had benefit in favor. But but you know what was the alternative? They don't know any different. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I agree with you. It's different. Absolutely, totally agree with you. But what I'm saying is they must know or see the differences of how black people of colour, not just black, are portrayed versus yeah. white people. They can see the differences, but they can't appreciate how it impacts them. They can't okay. appreciate I guess that's the, that's the, the answer then, isn't it? They don't know they how, don't it appreciate how it impacts them. How it actually impacts them. On yeah. a daily basis. And that's why it's that unconscious. It's like... Unless, unless you've actually, unless that one, if unless a white person has been exposed directly to an un, to a bias mm. uh, about the, around their color, that it's it's always going to be secondhand for them. Yeah, I guess so. But then also, I would invite people white. They would have experienced the bias of not related to the color, maybe related to their ability, maybe related to their sex, yeah. or something else that's they identify with and that's that's your taste of what it's like yeah I would invite you to think about that but anyway also says so besides casting doubt on the idea that racial inequality exists at all the comment also invalidates the lived experiences of non-white co-workers who deal with racial inequality as part of their daily lives yeah, I think there was a, I'm going way back and I don't know the source, but there was an experiment that was undertaken years ago where they took a, a, sm- a small group of people and they basically gave them like latex masks. Oh, and, yes. And they, and they basically made them people of colour, like people of colour, and they put them out in for a day to see what kind of response they got. And they, and the outcome of this was it literally, it really did open their eyes mm. up to the kind of bias that people had. It make people black. Everyday basis, yeah. They basically had um, a, a small group of, of individuals who, who were white and they basically made latex masks so yeah. that they made them look like they were people of colour. Yeah. And even like their hands and and, yeah. and so, and then they put them out and they, in the streets of the area that they, they conducted this experiment, social experiment. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, the, 
and the outcome was that the perspectives were, were just maybe the eyes were opened yeah I just think it's really funny and actually they did that with old people did they not make people really old as well they did that it was, yeah they also did that yeah so again like you said Tracy that you know it can be a case of you know you can basically have bias not just on color but on age on gender you know on on other factors and experiments like that so yeah. I've got a resource but I've seen it I've oh seen if that. you can find it I'd love to watch it yes. if you can find it anyway what what to do really if you're in this position and like I said I in my 20s I would have just let it go I would not said anything didn't want to open that can of worms but what you could do is you could tell a co-worker that you know acknowledge them this person who maybe grew up poor has worked very hard to get where they are you can say you work you know you work hard to get where you are and explain that benefiting from white privilege doesn't mean they haven't struggled because that's not what it means it means their challenges may be economic health related or derived from another source but racism has not been one of their burdens and that's so if you think even if you just take that as out so everyone could be at the mercy of health issues social issues economic issues they can always everyone every human being can have those struggles yeah everybody has a struggle so everybody has a struggle that's humankind it's all struggles exactly but the added added struggle of racism to overcome to be to get where you want to be is something else that shouldn't be shouldn't be part of the equation put another way they haven't struggled because they are white whereas people struggle because they are not white and I think that's the point yeah um, but I mean, it's, 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 it's also how you how you frame that and what kind of tone you use and where you're coming from because otherwise you there's a risk of you coming across as though you're not validating um what they're saying yeah yeah so it's it's interesting because you know other people have other things they have to overcome absolutely and even though it hugely benefits them white privilege can be invisible to those who have it and it's like you're saying you don't see what you don't see what you don't experience it yourself you don't see it and it and it's invisible and I know people that I have heard people get almost annoyed with the term white privilege and I remember oh I read an article and I, um, I'll forward it to you I will not talk about it here because it was very it was a very extreme rant about white privilege not being a thing and essentially this author concludes that oh you just need everybody just needs to be nice to each other so we don't need to go on about it if everybody's just nice to each other then everything's fine beautiful that's the that's the solution <laughs> if that was the solution we wouldn't be where we are anyway I'll send it to you I think that's why so you know it's too like George Floyd it's like white privilege George Floyd yeah I know oh that was that, that that situation with George Floyd could have been avoided if we were just kind yeah exactly. I mean, that's that's I think that, that that kind of perspective that's living in fairy tale land really you know it's exactly. like that's once upon a time and then happily ever after kind of stuff it says it's the privilege of not being treated with suspicion by store clerks or regularly pulled over by police 
It can mean being hired over a black candidate with similar experience or getting a mortgage when a person of color in the same financial situation is denied one. And this, this happens a lot more in. Yeah. And also actually there was a news yeah. news feature that came up this week about um, a TV show coming from Apple TV. <laughs> I think it's called Truth Be Told. It's a series that's been going on for a number of years. But this particular um, season of episodes, it's focused on, it's all, it's going to be based, or it's about to be based on a story around a group of young black girls going missing and the difference of media attention and work, workforce employed in the States to actually search for these girls. Oh wow! Okay. So there's a clear difference there in between, yeah. And, it, and it is, it's sad it shouldn't happen in this day and age. And so even when people know white privilege exists, they can be reluctant to admit it applies to them, can make them feel defensive, and as if their own hard work is invalidated. And you get that, don't you? Because you're essentially saying you've had benefits I haven't to get where you are, and people don't want to hear that. I wouldn't want to hear that. So I get why there's a level of defensiveness around that. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, people may have had to overcome some very serious things to get where they are. Hmm. So I totally get that. I just and think... And again, that's like a can of words, because that, well, that's a whole other episode and story. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's yeah. like, but at the end of the day, I like I say, I have, I have privilege as well. Well, I have privilege, and I'm still going to accept that I have that. I, I don't feel uncomfortable accepting that I have privilege. Where, where some black people don't. Yeah. Do you feel like you have, uh, I hate to say this expression, but I'm going to say it Do you feel like you've you've had best of both worlds? Hmm. That's another episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a juicy episode, Tracy. All right. So in What Would You Do? What would you do? That's my little jingle. It's terrible. But anyway. So this is about, this is highlighting a biased discrimination against women in the workplace. And we talked about women's rights, so I thought we may as well have go with this example. So you're, it's a workplace scenario. You're in a conversation with co-workers and someone without children asks a woman with children, how do you manage work and raising your kids? You must be overwhelmed. And you're not the person asking, you're just, participating in this conversation what would you do right okay so this is a scenario where a, a childless woman is asking a mother um who is working it doesn't say childless woman this is someone without without children so it could be a child, or a okay, child, um, someone without children someone like myself i'm a woman who doesn't have any children it would be basically me myself asking somebody in the workplace who has a child or many children how do you do it you must feel overwhelmed well there's an assumption there that, that a person with with children is feeling overwhelmed but at the same time you could also look, take it from this from the perspective that it could be it could be a form of a compliment whereby it's a case of from the perspective of someone who is working who doesn't have children and is potentially and probably finding work overwhelming anyway without without the responsibility of looking after a child or children mm. and so simply sharing that comment which is you know how do you do it 
you know, it's almost in, it can be said in awe. Because I know that, I mean, I've, I've been in the situations where I haven't said it in that way, where, oh, how, how do you do it? You must feel, you must be very overwhelmed. But I've, I've, I haven't said that, but I've, I have, I have communicated to, or I have shared with my colleagues, with colleagues at work who have children, who are in the same type of role as me, who have the same pressures as me as work, but also have uh, three or three or four children that they're also looking after and homeschooling. So I've, I've asked them, well, I've not, I haven't asked one because, but I've actually shared with one that, you know, I, I'm in awe of you. I'm in absolute awe of you, you know, because I know what, I know what the pressures are like in terms of just work. And so to imagine, which is all I can do because I'm not a mother, to imagine having the responsibility of one, two, three, or four or plus other bodies, mm-hmm. other ch- children that I also have to look after on top of what, on top of what's responsibility that I have. For me, I'm in all of that. Mm. I of that. And so the, the, in that situation, what what would I do? Or um, I wouldn't necessarily, if I was a, if I was a bystander and I heard that comment, I, I suppose in my in my bias, I I wouldn't necessarily, first of all see it as a as a negative question. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I suppose in my own in my own perspective, I'd see it as as oh the person asking it is probably coming from a position of um, great awe mm. for, this, for, this, for this mother who's working um, and taking on those extra challenges. Yeah. Um, but also, I can also see, I can see how, I can see how it would be taken out of context. But on the surface, I know that because I've made comments, but I've, oh, I've, I've made compliments. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, yeah, passed a compliment to, yeah. to, to colleagues in the workplace who have the same responsibilities as me. Yeah. And are also, and are also experiencing success. But I don't have the addition of the responsibility of a child or having children. And they do. Mm. So for me, I'm in complete awe of them. Yeah. And I mean, everything is context dependent, right? So you're right. You're absolutely right. And I mean, I have commented similarly, but in the context of, because I've been a people manager and I was actually you know, have people, had people in my team that had to have that scenario working because the work and stress increased in the COVID, during COVID in, in the industry I worked in because we were providing a service essentially. And um, we needed to maintain that for patient safety, yeah, and well-being. So there was a lot of stress for everyone and people were in lockdowns, kids at home and so there was that happening so yes just in the two contexts I would comment on that it would be checking on them how are they doing how are you doing because I know the situation at home and knowing they're doing the best they can and not having high expectations of what they can do like they can pay the same amount of attention and time and just going with whatever they told me so that that would be in the context I would have that conversation or say something maybe like that but I probably wouldn't say you must be overwhelmed and let's 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 look at this from another side um I mean in that if if I was to say or if I was to hear oh you must be overwhelmed I think I'd be thinking also would you also apply that to to a to a female and a male so yeah I know that because I know that when I've played and I'm, I'm I'm very aware of this when I've 
paid compliments to my colleagues who are parents mm. as well as being successful in in the workload that we both have mm. I've, I've made comments to both mothers and fathers mm. so, um so in that sense I'm hoping I'm not discriminating in that sense it's for me it's, it comes from a place where I'm in complete awe that you're you're actually holding down this a, a very successful career as well as having the additional responsibility of bringing up children so yeah and I mean you're right you're absolutely right I think that's the question to ask yourself before the words come out of your mouth if this was if he was a guy children but would I be thinking and saying the same thing to him and if the answer is yes then you know yeah. that's okay if the answer is no then you're like mm, then you need to think about what your assumptions are however yeah. I'm already I'm I'm playing out the scenario already and I'm already assuming and this this is the other way, but the bias, still an absolute bias on my part, that I wouldn't ask a guy because I'm assuming his wife's taking the, the work, even though she's working. Let's just assume I'm with a guy, potentially, who's married with kids and this is a scenario, um, and I know they both work. I'm assuming that the the woman's taking the the biggest load. That's my bias. And then and that bias comes from having friends that actually do that I'm afraid right I see I suppose uh, yeah I suppose um, in a way I mean, we've been talking in in this session about about how we've been moving forward and I know that um I'm not going to mention any names but one of my one of my good friends she's expecting a baby in in the coming weeks actually and um yes she's going to be taking maternity leave but she's actually she's going to be going back to she's going to be one going back to work and it's actually my friend's husband who's going to be taking time. That's great. Yeah. And so in a way, I suppose I'm already in an environment, I'm surrounding myself with, I've already somehow surrounded myself around less of that stereotype. Yeah, yeah. I was also working in the industries that I have. In the last industry I was working in, there was, again, there was was a lot of paternity leave being taken. Mm. And Mm. so I suppose I'm just, uh, yeah, maybe maybe it's because of what I've, it's because of what I've been exposed to. Well, that's the thing. It's like your experience. It's still a bias. Like, like on my part, having that in my head, that's a bias. Because I do, I would know. I don't personally know, but I would know and have seen where it's the man, the father that's taking on that responsibility sometimes, or you know, taking the longest parental leave. Say, I've seen it. I'm not saying I've never seen or heard of that, but I just. My most common experience is the, the, you know, the other. But yeah. anyway, what it's saying is, so it's good to highlight bias because, you know, we all have it. And it's saying the problem with this question, when the question was, how do you manage work and raising your kids? You must be overwhelmed. The question reinforces an often unconscious belief that dedicated mothers can't also be dedicated employees. Because if you're using, you must be overwhelmed, suggests they can't cope. When you're overwhelmed, it's not a it's not a positive place to be in, is it? It's not a functional. It's not no, a. It could also be. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a word which also means it's quite challenging. You're feeling overwhelmed. It's it's too much to take on. Exactly. And so, yeah, there is a, uh, you know, there is a because I, I think also the question is also deeming that there's two responsibilities. There's the work responsibilities and the dedication towards that, and also the dedication towards raising children. 
mm-hmm. looking after children and you can't you can do both as society has illustrated so yeah but that's the thing and this is what's funny I'll come back let me just read this though it says it reinforces the unconscious belief that dedicated mothers can't also be dedicated employees it assumes that women that that the woman is overwhelmed which can feel like a judgment mm-hmm. on her ability on her ability to handle her workload and may lead to her getting passed over for opportunities if this is the bias held in the collective in the workplace if this happens a lot it can make women feel unsupported as working parents which can make them more likely to leave the company so and it says many people oh and and it gives some suggestions how you can respond it says there are a few ways you can respond based on what feels right so like everything's context dependent right you can point out that feeling overwhelmed is something that everyone experiences from time to time. And I was actually going to say that some people have sick partners, some women have sick husbands, some men have sick wives or parents that they have to have a responsibility towards. You know, some people are caregivers for other parts of their family or are more involved with even extended family members, not maybe not immediate family members. So everyone at some point, even if you're a single person, has times when they feel overwhelmed. That's right. You don't necessarily need to have extra responsibilities aside from work to feel overwhelmed. Exactly, exactly. Nobody goes through. There isn't one individual on this planet that goes through life and doesn't feel overwhelmed. At some point, right? So that's one of the points you can make. And it's not just working mothers. You have, have a lot to manage. I imagine all working parents feel overwhelmed sometimes. And if your colleague doesn't seem overwhelmed to you at all, you can say that too. You're saying you don't seem overwhelmed. You seem to be managing it all in your stride. So it's so that's more of a compliment. That's where that. that's where it, yeah, that's where the yeah. that, that sentence of you must be overwhelmed, where you can turn that narrative yeah. and and come from a place of compliment. Yeah. Yeah. And then it says many people fall into the trap of believing that women can't be fully committed to both work and family. And that fuels skepticism about women's abilities. And fathers are often exempt from these assumptions. So that's really talking about maternal bias, which is yeah. a thing. It's a thing. Yeah, an interesting one. It's an interesting one, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think if I was if I'm also trying to think of a perspective of okay, what would I do if I was receiving that comment? So I think I would I'd, I'd probably be inclined to take it, take, see the compliment within in the actual statement. But also, if I didn't see the compliment in my in in the first instance, I'd probably feel like I need to not prove, but kind of just show. I think I would be I'd be inclined to show that I am. I've got it down pat. Yeah. The the only reason you feel the need to do that is because you feel like it's a judgment. Hmm. Yeah. So that, and actually, if I didn't do that, what you just did, I didn't put myself in the shoes of the receiver there, and now I did, and now I have. I feel judged, like the the hinting that I'm can't handle it, and I'm also feeling like, well, how many women do this all the time? Like, why is this? Why is this even a comment to me? That's right. Like, exactly. So many mothers. Uh, and, and nearly every woman in this office is a mother. Maybe I don't know. That's um, it. Yeah. It. Yes. That yes. these are things I'm uh, thinking. That, that would kind of then that that's why then my behavior would be like, well, I just show it. I I just basically, I wouldn't I wouldn't I, I just basically show that. Yeah, look, I can do this. I'm, I'm I can I 
I can handle this. But so, you shouldn't have to, because you, you shouldn't have, have to. That's right, you shouldn't have to. So interesting when you when you step into the different shoes, hey, how you can see the different perspectives. So that was it. That was our what would you could do. I really like that one. So thank you for your perspective and insights there. It's basically that question is not a compliment. If you want to compliment someone, that one is not a compliment. It's the overwhelming thing about which 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 negates it as a, a compliment. So if you yeah. take out that that part about overwhelm. Maybe. I don't know. I'm still now I've been able to sit in the shoes or attempted to sit in the shoes. I'd still be a bit like, what was that comment coming from? Unless like again, it's context dependent. If I've been sat there complaining, having an offloading oh, about my kids and the week and they're not having a sleep. If I'd have been like offloading <clears throat> like that, and then there was a comment, the comment was like, Oh, you're doing amazing. Manage, managing all this amazingly or something that's a compliment but if it's how are you doing it I suppose, um, that's it. I suppose it's again it's about the it's about the it's about the tone that you use it's about it's about that word overwhelm so like for example like I'm 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 a I'm a single female who has no dependence hmm. and I I I have a I have a career hmm. um, which requires me to work hard sometimes work extra hours and it requires my full commitment. And now I know that my counterparts are in that exact same position as me. The only the, the difference is, is that they have, they have the additional responsibility of caring for a dependent or a number of dependents. Mm. Also, which, which requires their focus, which requires their attention, which I don't have. And so for me, because I don't have that, I, I appreciate that. And that's where that comment comes from is, and I suppose it's, it, it's a compliment if you use it, if you're being mindful of the tone that you use and also using the word overwhelm in the right context. Yeah. But you can also, well, there's, there's a couple of things as a coach I'd, I would give as additional advice in this situation. And the first thing would be not to assume what somebody's feeling because they say you must be overwhelmed. So they might be, you might be right, but just who knows they know. So you can ask them, how are they feeling? How do you feel managing that? How is it working for you? And then they'll tell you if they're feeling yeah. overwhelmed or they might not, depends how well they know you. And you can you can apply that to, to anybody in the workplace. They don't need to be a mother. Like you can reply that like I could be I could be a recipient of um of that type of comment. Is that oh you you know are you yeah you, you might you might feel overwhelmed. So yeah. so you can you can just ask rather than assume. But also if the symptomatic of being overwhelmed, like you're seeing signs and symptoms. You can still ask and use the word. You can say, you seem overwhelmed. Is that, is that what's going on for you? And, you know, this happened, this happened. You seem a bit overwhelmed. So instead of saying, you must be overwhelmed, it's still a possibility that there's something else and that they're giving, you're opening up, you're opening up the space for them to share what, how they interpret how they're feeling, not yeah, what you interpret yeah, yeah. how they're feeling. Well, it's, it's, it's in communication where you where you say you must be you're you're putting words into somebody else's 
mouth in a way mm-hmm. and so I suppose, and, and you know that communication error can be applied in any context yeah well that's what I mean any for this context. any context I'm just giving that advice as a way you can communicate with someone about how they're feeling without telling them how they're feeling yeah. that was it I think right. it's a really interesting topic hey we had a lot that's, of discussion there oh what would you do okay well what, what's this segment so what would you do is basically I, I choose a scenario, but if you want to find scenarios and, and give them to me, that's absolutely fine. I'm happy with that. But generally, I find a scenario and I put it forward to you, and then you tell me what you would do, and we have a discussion about it. And it's obviously a scenario that is reflecting a form of bias and discrimination in the workplace. It could be in the workplace. It could Sometimes it's not in the workplace, but most of them are because I t- I take some of these from the Lean In organization. And I said, I want to just repeat that. These I have taken from Lean In. It's a fantastic organization founded by Cheryl Sandberg, who essentially is an icon for what, and an ambassador for what we're doing currently. So the name of the book I read is called Lean In, and you're more than welcome to borrow it if you like. So anyway is her yes it's Cheryl Sandberg and yes so this is the scenario so you are in a staffing meeting and a co-worker recommends you put one woman on each team for better diversity what would you do okay so would that be her only reason for putting the women on uh, as leaders on each team she didn't say as leaders she said put a woman on each team and let's just assume that everybody's capable because why would you have these women wouldn't be employees otherwise so let's that's, that's an interesting that. question that you posed me because i used to be in an employment uh, position where i was putting together teams projects and building teams mm-hmm. and so but i was never in that situation thankfully I was never in that situation where I was advised or told or directed to select according to gender. Mm. Because my, when I was putting teams together and this is how, this is the approach I'm going to take again, I'm kind of going back into my memory bank and thinking how I doubt how I put teams together. It was all based on merit. It was Mm. all based on talent. And it was also based Another, another factor that I remember that I considered when putting teams together was about progression and growth. Like when I was put, when I'd be putting teams together, I'd be thinking, okay, well, if I put an individual in this particular team, is it going to be benefiting to what I'm aware of about their growth mm-hmm. and their success and their opportunity? So for me, selection when it comes to teams is not based on gender it's based on merit, it's based on a growth um, opportunity, and it's based on talent. And, and also in, in terms of personality, on whether or not personalities within each team are actually uh, cohesive, mm. or if there's going to be how I would approach that. If, it, if, it, if I was directed, and it was part of my job, I would push back by asking questions. I'm a questioner. Mm. So I would push, if that was an order or, or a, which came from my, my directive, I would push back and I would ask, why would it, why, why are we putting, why, why is it necessary to put a woman in each team? Great. 
that's what you would do. Good. Okay. So this is why it matters. One in five women report they are often the only woman or one of the only women in the room at work. These onlys have a worse experience than other women. They are more likely to have their abilities challenged and be subjected to unprofessional reliance. They may also experience extra pressure and scrutiny and they can feel that their actions reflect on others like them. This takes a toll. So women who are onlys are one and a half times more likely to think about leaving their jobs than women who aren't. So that's why it matters. Right. What, to do, what you could do, and this because you said, I get why I get where you're coming from, because you don't want to discriminate based on gender either way. Is that the gist of it? It's kind of interesting because I think the key word again, I think the key word for this uh, for this episode of this podcast really has been is perspective. Mm. Answering that question, I was coming from my own perspective. I wasn't taking into a perspective. I wasn't taking into account the perspective from a, t- a team where there would only be one female, and how would that make her feel? Mm. So I think the word perspective is really coming through here. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Exactly. And this is this is the suggestion. Okay, is to applaud the spirit of the idea, but explain the downside of inadvertently isolating women on separate teams. Instead of adding one woman to many teams, we recommend putting groups of a few women on teams together. And if you're in a position to do so, suggest that your company create opportunities for women only to connect with other women, such as networking groups. Also surface that this is a symptom of a larger problem. Your company likely needs to hire more women so that it's not even an issue that you need to do that. And then it says why it happens. It says when women are underrepresented in organisations, as they often are, they tend to be spread thinly across teams, which means they stand out. And women of colour are even more likely to be onlys. Since there are fewer of them in corporate America, and this is American stats, this underrepresentation can make the biases women face especially pronounced. With everyone's eyes on them, they can often be heavily scrutinised and held to get held to higher standards. And as a result, they feel pressure to perform on guard and left out and may be less likely to speak up and contribute fully. Right. Okay. I think, I mean, that's gosh, really interesting because I suppose with that scenario whereby if I was directed to put a woman in each individual group, that's a very top line approach. Because what it's doing in that sense is like, so I actually, I answered the question, I answered that scenario by saying that it would depend on many factors. One of them was into, I mentioned personality, that conflict, and also I mentioned about progression. And so if you're, I know, because I know, I suppose I'm sharing, I'm going to be sharing from my own experience, whereby I was working, I used to work in the advertising industry, and it's a very cutthroat industry, and there's some very strong personalities both male and female in that particular industry. But at the same time, there's also a lot of creatives who are who can be quite introverted. And so that's the idea of personality, whereby if you're putting teams together, you go on merit. And let's say, for example, there's a female in that in, in that selection group, and they are of a very strong personality. I wouldn't hesitate of, about putting that, that woman in a group where she's on her own with males, because I know there's she's got a very strong personality and she can hold that room and she's mm. confident. 
in speaking her voice and speaking her mind and speaking her opinions. Whereas if I knew that there was a male who's more of an introvert and has lots of merit, that's when I would probably consider, okay, who else does this individual work well with? And I can put them both in the same group. And so it's a very top line scenario to only say, okay, because some women may not feel as confident on their own in, in a group to then also tag everyone and tarnish every, every woman with the same brush. Yeah. It's goes deeper than that. And that's why I'm saying it's top line. Yeah, exactly. And that's why it's a discussion, really good point you make. Not all women behave this way. But this is talking about the stats and the standards existing in America when they pr- produce these scenarios. And so what's interesting here, what I think this is really about is it's about underrepresentation. So to even have to say, oh, can you make sure there's at least one woman in each team means there's not enough women because that should naturally happen when you're creating teams if you've got, you know, enough women in your organisation. It should yeah. just be, a, it should just happen. So that's obviously why there's a need to have diversity in teams. Diverse teams, you're generally more successful. And like you point out, it's not just diversity of gender, it's diversity of personality, skills, merit, ability. That's absolutely a part, a part of absolutely valid point. That's what you're looking at. But also you've got to consider that if you have underrepresentation, you'll have, you may have, you may have, not always, women that haven't had the opportunity to show their potential or to reach their potential see that's something else to consider and it's really good that that's what you you would have done anyway with teams you're considering people's potential and a growth to grow so that's wonderful but I think specifically for this scenario it's more about the fact there's already underrepresentation and looking at the other perspective of being only only woman in the team which can have completely different dynamic because it's okay if you've got you feel confident and you've got a voice I've had this myself Yes, I, I would consider myself very confident and, and very confident, happy to speak up. But if I feel, I'll be honest, if I feel that I'm the only and there's a lot of other strong personalities, I'm, I'm not as confident to speak up. That's just, that's me. And like I say, like you say, you know, every woman is different. So I think it does help to consider that only factor and the impact it can have on the dynamics of people. Um, yeah. in, a, in a group yeah and I think you've definitely hit the nail on the head Tracy when you say about that scenario whereby um, you know you know I said about I'd question that but um, you've hit the nail on the head when you said about well that situation is it's probably only come about because there's not enough women there in the first place so in, in, in essence it's about going back to the origin yeah, yeah. Well, well done that was your first what would you do <laughs> it wasn't so bad so yeah. Again, 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 it's great food for thought. And again, we've yeah, slightly digressed, but but yeah, definitely, and it takes me back to my previous advertising days when there were no scenarios. Um, but again, in advert in the world of advertising, especially nowadays, there's and I was very fortunate enough to work for an organisation where there was representation. In fact, the majority of the departments were led by women, and that wasn't deliberate. It was again based on it was all based on talent and merit, and it just happened to fall that way. So, and I was fortunate enough to work for an organization that obviously celebrated diversity. 
great. That's really fortunate, like you say. Yeah. All right. That is it. That concludes us because we are a bit over. Right. Okay. <laughs> thank you. And it's a pleasure. Your first podcast was a wrap. That's right. That's right. So uh, yeah, that was, that was really very enjoyable. So uh, yeah, definitely. I'm I'm loving the fact that it raises so many uh, questions and lots of thoughts and lots of digression happening there. So yeah, and I'm hoping that it will um, it will get people thinking and chatting and discussing. So yeah, great. All right. Well, we'll be back next week for more discussion and chatting and thinking. See you later. Bye, Tracy. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have as much fun with us today as we did. If what you heard resonated with you, don't forget to show the love and like our YouTube channel, All One with Tracy G. Give us a five star rating on whichever podcast platform is lucky enough to have this episode because they rock too. Feel free to email us stories or questions at alloneinclusive at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter if updating yourself about everything which goes down sounds like something right up your alley at tracygandu.com. Until the next time, see ya!